Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have our friend with the podcast, Dick Foth, on another session of Back Channel with Foth. And we're going to jump into our interview with Daniel Darling on his book, Spiritual Disciplines. Dick, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks a million, Aaron. I love it. Dick, got uh, two questions for us today. Uh, First question is, what are three life habits you would recommend for anyone trying to grow in spiritual and emotional maturity? I think when we when we uh, think about growth in emotional spiritual maturity, it isn't like physical growth. You know, uh, our genetics just grow us, right? right? So I'm I'm six feet and slightly shrinking. My dad was six two and three quarters, and those are things that are just there. Yeah. But when it comes to so, how's my musculature or yeah. how's my flexibility? Right. That's an intentional thing I do. So if I'm intentional about growing in spiritual and emotional maturity, first of all, I have to put myself in a place where that can happen, both individually and collectively. So when Scripture says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, King James Version, it it means um, it probably means that there's benefit in that. So here's, here's my sequence. First of all, uh, first thing in the day that whatever it is, you, you know, I, when I, when I wake up in the, in the morning, I, you know, acknowledge that, you know, I, I'm not the guy saying, okay, to my, to my autonomic nervous system. Okay, boys, let's go. Let's get rolling. No, no. It's the grace of God that I woke up this morning. Right. Sure. So first thing in the day, acknowledging people I have a friend and you may not want to use this part but I have a friend who said you know some some people wake up in the morning and say good morning lord other people wake up in the morning and say good lord morning (laughs) (laughs) so first thing in the day start there secondly um I would encourage of course the you know the things we go to all the time and should are the are scripture okay so you've got all of these thousands of years and all of these authors and there are nuggets and things that encourage me in that. But I also think in church history Hmm. to be able to read broadly, read, I'm a, I'm a biography nut. I love reading biographies because it's how did that person traverse their 64 and a half years or how did they traverse their 28 years like Jim Elliott and so forth. Um, I had some university uh, student group leaders happened to be from Texas who came and visited some years ago and they walked into the place I'm sitting now, which is my study library. And they walked in and started looking at the books on my shelves. And within two minutes, they turned to me and said, so Dick, what, what old dead guys do you read? <laughs> I mean, besides scripture, right? Yeah. And so sometimes in our, in our world where we we sort of get the sense because we are deluged with information and science and all of that, that these are the first good thoughts people ever had in human history, which mm-hmm. is a crock. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's craziness to think yeah. like that. And so the old dead guys are, are really significant, yeah. right? So I would encourage that to read some old dead guys. Right. And then in terms of growth, Hang out with two or three people, even if one, but if you can have two or three people that you respect 
that you consider to be emotionally and spiritually mature. Hmm. My experience with mentors, for example, what we call mentors today, we didn't, you know, back in the day, we just called them. I got these old guys who were friends, you know, but, <laughs> and I'm not opposed to that language. I'm, I'm just saying that sometimes we can categorize stuff. Um, my experience is that people who tend to be about 15 years my senior okay. are really good mentors. Because mm-hmm. if you're a young person, let's say you're you're newly married and you have a child, it, well, to to have somebody whose kids are graduating high school, that's not bad because they've been yeah. there, done that. Yeah. And, and they've got other challenges. They need somebody 15 years old and they are to help with that sure. stuff. Right? So uh, uh, that's what I'd say. I would say first thing in the day, Read old dead guys, uh, two or three who you respect, hang out. Good word. Good word. Dick, second question. When you think of someone who is spiritually and emotionally mature, who do you think of? You know, I gave some thought to that. Well, I, I'd like to think I give some thought to all the questions you send me, but um, I love uh, Romans 12 that says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. And then it goes on to say, and both language, know who you are. Do not think more highly of yourself than you should, nor lower yeah. Then you should. That's called that's called wholeness, I believe. There are four people in my life that had unique impact on me, especially in my twenties. Mm. It's very interesting that mm. you know I I could take you back to my early years or teen years, but for me, uh, my father in law. When my father walked out when I was twenty one, uh, a father in law walked in, Roy Blakely. Mm. Uh, he happened to be a pastor, but he, I don't think he ever pastored a congregation more than 400, but yeah. the number of folks in missions that yeah. came out of that congregation were huge. Yeah. And he was, he was humble and insightful. Yeah. And I would call him emotionally, spiritually mature. I had worked with him 15 months after grad school, went to Wheaton and graduated from grad school. And, you know, I'm, I'm 20 four years old and think I really got stuff together. And I go to him after 15 <laughs> months of working with him saying, I want to do this church plant, at the university of Illinois. And he turned to me, he always called me Foth. He said, Foth, here's the deal. Whatever you're going to do for God, you're going to turn around two or three times to be an old man with white hair. So you, you need to get after it, whatever it is. Wow. Wow. Secondly, if you're going to be a pastor, you need to have a spirit uh, that's sensitive to God and a mm-hmm. hide as tall as leather. Wow. And thirdly, in dealing with people, don't ever back somebody into a corner with no way out. Because if you do that, there's only one way they can come out. Hmm. And that's why we don't need any more of that. I've tried to follow that through the years, but I call that emotionally and spiritually mature. Those are insights. Another pastor, and all of my friends are not pastors. Lord, help us. No, I, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but a fellow named Tex Groff, who was 15 years my senior. And again, my father-in-law, all the four people that I'm talking you yeah. to you now about are all dead guys, but okay. they are more alive than I am. Let me put yeah. it that way. All right. And he was, he was from Texas. He had a huge sense of humor, wonderful pastor, friend, vulnerable. Um, and we connected immediately. There was chemistry there. 
And once in a while, you get a, somebody who has chemistry. I'm saying go there. And he, he, he guided me in certain ways. And we were talking about who were our friends. And, and his comment to me one day was, Dick, don't just hang out with people who are just like you. Hmm. And I said, why? He said, well, what can they add to your life? Wow. And so that piece helped me. Then there was Paul McGarvey, who was a backfield football coach. And uh, one day I got in a situation. I was a young pastor. just scared the bejeebers out of me. And I called him up at school. He was a high school coach. And I went over to see him. And I'm, I'm, I'm scared because something has gone on and I can't control it. And I didn't have anything to do with it. Da, 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 da. And he said, he said, Dick, um, here's the, well, he didn't call me Dick. He would never call me. He, always, he didn't call me Dick till we were older. But he just said, you know, people can believe anything they want about you. They can today, of course, they put on social media, sure. right? Whatever it is. And he said, all you can do is live a life of such integrity that if people hear bad stuff, they won't believe it. That's all you can do. And then uh, Howard Momstead, who was one of the top five spectroscopists in the world. I didn't even know how to spell that. That's an analytic chemist that works with, uh, with light, m- measures things by the use of light. And uh, his input into me in terms of helping me a bridge between or among, I don't know how to say it, a, a, a spiritual life and intellectual discipline yeah. was huge. Here was a guy who was brilliant, light years ahead of me in terms of brains, but had this humble spirit, ended up going into missions work mm-hmm. at the age of 54, stepped down from the University of Illinois to go and help start a university overseas that had a unique approach to how people were taught. Those four guys really impacted me. And, uh, and I have their fingerprints on my soul to this day. I'm sorry. That was a much longer. Answer. No, excellent. Excellent. You know, the, of all the things that jumped out to me was the, the idea of not backing somebody in a corner. They don't have any other way out. And yeah. uh, man, it's good. All of them are good. That's the one that, that really jumped out to me. So anyway, Dick, always a joy to hang out with you and uh, to just to yeah ask you questions, get to learn. We're going to go ahead and jump into the interview with Daniel Darling. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. I'm so excited to have a return guest to the podcast, Daniel Darling. Daniel, welcome back to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it and honored to be with you today. Dan, before I, I hit record, I asked you if I could, could call you Daniel or Dan. You told me Dan and I introduced you as Daniel. So I'm going to call you Dan okay. through, through the rest of the podcast. My my apologies on that. I've, my been, apologies. I've been called worse and it's really okay. <laughs> well, you're probably thinking, man, that guy's memory short. He just hit record and I just told him Dan and now he's calling me Daniel. So anyway, welcome to the podcast. Could you just take a few minutes and share about yourself for those who didn't listen in the first time we were together? Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm the director of the Land Center for Cultural Engagement here at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth. Um, uh, prior to that, I worked for a number of years at uh, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, which is Southern Baptist Agency. I'm a writer and and speaker. Uh, I was a I'm a pastor as well. I pastored in Chicago and Tennessee, um, and uh, I've written several books. Um, and Bible studies and, uh, you know, uh, have a wife and four children, uh, three teens and a preteen. I, my oldest is 18. And, yeah. uh, we're about to see her graduate high school and wow. get her into college. So yeah. Exciting season of life huh? here. 
Yeah, yeah. exciting season in life. So today we're going to talk about your your study on spiritual giftings, and um, it's one that I, I went through myself. And uh, as I shared before we hit rec- hit recording, I think a lot of times we we talk about you know the enneagram and and different tests, which I'm all for, and we look at those personality profiles. But as Christians, mm-hmm. the idea of spiritual giftings and their purpose and, and how God you know has given given those to us. So yeah, can you just share about what are spiritual giftings? And uh, maybe some common misperceptions of of what they are and yeah, and how we kind of get it wrong. Well, I mean, first of all, I think we should acknowledge that what the spiritual gifts are, you know, they're gifts. And uh, the idea of a gift means that it's not something that we did, you know, that it, it comes from God. Um, uh, they are gifts to the church. <clears throat> and I think it's important for us to understand um they're supernatural. It's a supernatural ability to fulfill the mission of God. Um, and they are given to us for the, uh, as it says in Ephesians, you know, for the work of the ministry, uh, to equip the saints. And so I, I think one of the, I, I don't have a problem with spiritual gift assessments. Uh, in fact, we, we kind of point people to those I don't even have a problem with some of the personality profiles and tests. I mean, sometimes it's good to go through to kind of to kind of just have some guidance on like wh- where does God want me? What's my calling? Where should I be? Because we, you know, we only have one life. We want to we want to live it to the glory of God. Um, but I think the tendency for us is to be so inward focused on our gifts that we don't re- realize that our gifts were given for the body, like. Um, Mm. we were given gifts to serve others, um, and to serve the church. Right. So it's not just about what's my gift or what's my number or what's my whatever, but how can I serve the body of Christ? That's good. That's good. And, um, so is, as Christians, what are some reasons we should be interested in spiritual gifting? You talk, you just shared there, it's, it's for the body of Christ and it's for for the church, but you Mm -hmm. maybe unpack that and go a little bit deeper of the importance of spiritual giftings. Well, I think it's important. I mean, first of all, every Christian, uh, alive has a spiritual gift. You know, it's, it's a supernatural ability to, to, fulfill the mission of God to join with other believers in the church, both local and worldwide to fulfill the mission of God. Um, I think it's important to understand the fact that we have gifts because it, for a number of reasons, number one, God has a, God has a place for us in the body. Um, There's a need for us in the body. There's a place for us. Um, We've been baptized into this body and I think it's important for us to understand because there's, you know, every Christian is called to follow Christ this way. And every Christian is called to, to um, be on mission for God. And so there's really no opting out of the mission of God. And and there's, there's some hesitancies then that if we, the importance of a spiritual gifting, but then putting that gifting into action, you know, I mean, if, if you know it and God's gifted to you, is it just for you, you shared, it's not just for me personally, but what's the importance then to put those spiritual giftings in action? Well, I think first, I mean, I think the first thing, and I talk about this in the study that, um, 
you know, a lot of the conversation about spiritual gifts is on the controversial things, the sign gifts and, and um, are they operative? Are they not? What's, you know, and I think that's a very important conversation. I think good Christians come down in different places on that. Um, but I think sometimes that conversation takes us away from the thrust of what Paul is doing and what the New Testament is is, is urging us to do. And it's it's to participate in the life of the body of Christ and to participate in the mission of God. And one of the things I tell I really emphasize in the book and just in my ministry is that the best way to discover your spiritual gifts, you know, again, I'm not saying some of these assessment tools aren't helpful. The best way to though to discover your spiritual gifts is to be in a body and to be involved, to roll up your sleeves and get involved in the life of your your church and the life of uh, your your church community. And God will reveal and show you and point you to places where um, you are best served and where he's gifted you in those ways. Um, so I, I think kind of navel gazing forever about who am I and what are my gifts isn't really helpful. I think getting involved in, in, in the body of Christ. Uh, I also think we need to think about the source of the gifts, you know, that Jesus uh, that the, the Trinity is the source of our gifts, right? That um, Jesus conquered sin and death in the grave and empowered the Holy Spirit to gift the, the body of Christ, to spread the good news of the gospel around the world. And, and, and Jesus ascending means the Holy Spirit descends and lives inside each of us and supernaturally gives us the ability to, to fulfill the mission of God. Um, Every Christian is called to this. Every Christian um, is is equipped and, and called uh, to serve to serve in this way. And do you, as far as those giftings, do you think they're randomly given? Do you think God specifically gives it to a person with intentionality? Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there there's an intentionality with the gifts. I think. Um, that God knows what he's doing when he created us. Right. And he, you know, sometimes we confuse gifts and talents. I, I think every human being has talents, right. Um, talents that allow them to do a variety of different things. Um, spiritual gifts are different in that they're a supernatural ability, hmm. but I do think they're interrelated in that God gives us gifts according to our talents, right? Yeah. And they sort of ride shotgun, if you will, with our talents. In other words, God doesn't just randomly hand out gifts. The Spirit's not just randomly saying, oh, I'm going to give them the gift of administration. I'm going to give them a gift of, you know, speaking. You know, our our, our background, our life story, uh, all of that is ordained by God, for a purpose. God is, God is taking us and bringing us to a place for a purpose. So all that factors into our gifting. Um, yeah. And so yeah. it's not just like he's randomly saying, uh, and, and I think that helps us identify our gifts and helps us lean into our gifting when we recognize, when we see our story as part of the larger story God is doing in the world. Th those two things are not distinct and not separate. We don't have to go searching and looking for what gifts should I claim or whatever. God is, God is putting us you know, sovereignly in the time and place and, and everything uh, yeah. to serve on mission for him. 
And you mentioned um, the idea of of getting involved in your local body or the body of Christ and and seeing where you're you're led, where you're gifted at. How what do you have any encouragement or maybe some words of wisdom for somebody who said, yeah, I, I tried that, it didn't go so well. Um, is it like a one 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 try? And um, I tried that. My I thought my gifting was in this area, it didn't go so well, and now I'm I'm hesitant to even try uh, anything again because it, the first time didn't. Does that is that a fair question? Well, I mean, that's a great question. I think, you know, one of the ways, and I talk about this in, in, in the study pretty in depth, but, you know, we already sort of know a little bit what our interests are and what, 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 what we might be good at. So I think, but I think there's a sense in which being available to the body to serve. And and when we think of spiritual gifts, I think we often just think of Sunday morning hmm. or or the operation of the church. And I think there's a lot of there's a, a lot of our spiritual gifts is is toward the gathering and toward the operation uh, the functioning of the local church and the ministry of the local church. But it's not just on Sundays, right? It's it's throughout the week. So if you're someone who has the gift of exhortation or the gift of encouragement or gift of uh, teaching. Sometimes it's in a formal setting, but sometimes it's throughout the week for a brother or sister who, who needs a word or needs to hear the, or if you have the gift of, you know, sort of administration, you know, it, it's not just on Sunday. Hmm. It's throughout the week. So I think we need to think holistically about that. I do think we need to just get involved in things and God will show us. And sometimes you get involved in a ministry and you're like, I'm just not, this is just not for me and not because I don't like it. Uh, right. I think we need to be careful to, to, to not say, well, I'm a little, I don't like evangelizing, so I'm just not going to do it because I don't have that gift. I don't think I have that gift or, um, um, you know, I don't really like children, so I'm never going to help out in the nursery or whatever. Yeah. I think we roll up our sleeves and do things, but then God will show us. And, and one of the ways uh, I talk at length in this, is, is through relationships. So sometimes other people can see us better than we can see ourselves. That's good. So other people can say, hey, you know, I think you have, man, you really do well with those young teens. And you might consider doing that as a ministry. Or, you know, you have such a great mind when it comes to finances and organization. And the church could really use that uh, to help. Or you have, you know, such a creative thing over here, or man, the way you walked through that passage was really profound. Have you thought of taking that further? People will come around us. And I think this is a really important ministry for the church, both that we be receptive to what others are saying and that we also give feedback to others. You know, our gifts are to be, you know, everything in the new Testament is predicated on the fact that we're living in community. Hmm. When Paul's talking about the gifts, he's speaking to a group, to a people. It's not individual. He's not saying, go fill out a survey and figure out where, who you are. N not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> right. But he's he's saying God has given gifts to the body. Yeah. And um, we're, we're together. And sometimes, a lot of times, relationships help us understand our gifts and help us recognize the gifts of others. I mean, hmm. as much as I have certain gifts that can serve the church, I am served. By the gifts of others. I mean, I'm grateful to be in a body where people have gifts that I don't have. 
Yeah. And I'm served by that. And so I think we need to think of the interrelation and the relationships about that when we're, when we're thinking about identifying our spiritual gifts. And so if I hear you correctly, Dan, you're saying it is, it's a mutual relationship where we're encouraging others and others are encouraging us. Is, is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. Um, and you know, the Bible says that we should love and, and provoke each other to good works. Hmm. And I think provoking each other means in relationships, in communities, helping other people identify their, their, their gifts. Yeah, it's good. Pointing them to opportunities. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and it's, I think this is a really important ministry, especially if you are, if you're a pastor, a minister, a leader in a church. Um, I've just found in all the churches I've been at that a pastor coming around someone, you'd be surprised. A lot of people who come into our churches, most lay people who come into our churches, most of them, feel like I don't have anything to contribute. Hmm. You know, I, you, you're, you guys are church people. You know, I'm an accountant through the week or I'm a, a late, uh, a tradesman through the week, or I'm, I'm making sales calls. I don't know anything about this. Like I, I, I love Jesus, but I don't know how to do church stuff. And for pastors and leaders to come around and say, you know, you, you are especially gifted here. or We could use you here, or you could really give back to the church in this way really, I think, gives people confidence to say, okay, uh, this is kingdom work. I can step into the mission of God this way. Yeah. And so as leaders, so we're, you know, a lot of people listening into this podcast are, are serving on missional teams around the world. And so if they're in a place and they have team members, as leading that team, they would then be able to speak in to say, hey, this might be a good fit for you. So is there, there was responsibility for the pastor or the team leader to speak into maybe the where they see a fit for somebody's spiritual giftings. Is that would that be would that be transferable from a pastor to like a team leader? I think so. And I, we also need to think the local. I mean, I think primarily we thinking local church, but anything universal church too, the worldwide hmm. church. Um, and how our gifts help each other. Um, for instance, someone who is called to to plant churches or to be a missionary. I mean, first of all, we're all missionaries in our context, but I think someone who is uprooting their family and going to a unreached people group um, has a gifting that we should both appreciate, recognize, and support. Hmm. I mean, part of understanding spiritual gifts is say this person's especially called out and gifted for this work, this evangelistic work. Um, and how can we support them with our finances, with our prayers, with our encouragement? Um, I'm also blessed by other people who have gifts. When I read a book by a pastor or a theologian or somebody, and I'm blessed by it, you know, their gifts are blessing me. Right. Or if yeah. I produce something that vice versa, uh, I think of people who produce things like who are creatives, like people who produce the Bible app. Yeah. You know, yeah. those people that did the version app applied their gifts. And because of that, they've helped the body of Christ or people do translation sure. work or yeah. people who do, you know, back even even folks who might not think of themselves as doing kingdom work, who are doing creating sort of back end systems and. You know, their their gifts are blessing the body. Yeah, right. That's good. And so I think we need to think of it holistically that way. That, That's good. 
yes, in our local church, but also the worldwide body, and also throughout the week, when you bring a meal to somebody who's sick, yeah. when you, um, you know, do all kinds of things throughout the week, you know, you're exercising your gifts. It's not just on Sunday, but it's throughout the week around the world. In the in your in the study, you kind of make you differentiate between serving and spirit, speaking spiritual gifts. Would you be able just to share a little bit about how you differentiate between the two, serving and speaking? Yeah, and 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 to be fair, you know, there's not a real clean way, sure, all the time of dividing the gifts, and different people have divided them different ways. Yeah. So the way that I divide them in here is not, you know, um. It's just a man-made division, right? Right. Because we're trying to organize them. But I do think, um, you know, there's a division. The Bible seems to make a division between sort of um, serving and speaking, you know, serving. And, and you know, that's a loose term, but, you know, the ser- sort of serving gifts are sort of like um, public facing or communication gifts. So like, uh, for instance, apostleship. Yeah. Um, and there, there's there's some debate about this gift. If, if this is like one that is, you know, in, in one sense, I would say we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So the apostolic age is not we're not in the apostolic age. Um, others have said that perhaps it's a. Um, you know, it's a sort of a. A. a someone being sent a sending gift that someone sent out um, in, in that way, you know, like a, a missionary, someone who, right. and so, you know, there's those kind of gifts, prophecy, teaching, evangelism, exhortation, discerning spirits, speaking tongues, interpreting tongues. Um, all those are sort of message gifts, speaking gifts, uh, which are important, right? We, we have a communicating faith, you know, we're, we're uh, um, Paul says, how will they hear without a preacher? Uh, we have a God who speaks, and we are made in his image, and we speak, and we're communicating the message. The, the gospel's not just communicated through testimony, though that's important. It's not just communicated through general revelation, people seeing the glory of God and, in, 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 you know, the heavens declare the glory. But there has to be speaking. It has to be communicated. Yeah. And edifying and strengthening our faith requires teaching. It requires exhortation. It requires encouragement. Um, evangelism requires us to open our mouths. So there's those kind of speaking gifts. And then there's the serving gifts, which are sort of, um, you know, I would say, and I list them here. Let me, let me find that here. Um, Things like leadership, administration. Now it's interesting when you think of leadership, you often think of people speaking Hmm. and quite, quite often someone who has a leadership gift administration also is someone who does speaking, right? You have to communicate to people and that's how you lead. But there's also a, a sense in which leadership is really about serving others. It's about making the hard decisions. It's about organizing. It's about picking up the phone. It's about coordinating things. And so that, and, and that way you're serving folks, um, helps, mercy, faith, healing, miracles. Those are all sort of serving gifts. I, I think you, we don't want to make too hard a distinction. Sure. Because people have the gift of mercy are speaking, right? Yeah. And people who are speaking have a speaking gift are serving. You know, you you serve people with your with your teaching and preaching. It's a service. You should see it that way. So I think they they cross 
back and forth, but the Bible seems to make a kind of distinction. That yeah, way. for sure. And so you've talked a little bit about exercising our gifts and, and uh, the community. Does that trans uh, the body of Christ, does that translate to the home in the family? And then maybe also, as, as I said, people working on teams on missional teams, does it translate pretty, pretty much the same? I think so. I mean, I think teams obviously need to serve each other. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting because you know the 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 smaller the team, you know, a team may not have a full com- uh, complement of all the gifts represented on your team. Okay, I'm sure. So that's where you're reliant on your supporting networks, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about if you think about teams that are sent out from a central sending organization, yeah. the sending organization in many ways is taking care of the gift of administration and yeah. helps and organizing so that the teams who are probably primarily have some leadership serving gifts and have some um, speaking communication evangelism gifts can do their work well. Right. Mm. But you're, you're interdependent, but the, the sending team that is good at administration and office function, all that has no purpose if those folks aren't going, but those yeah. folks going need the folks here. So I think we can think of it that way too. Right. Um, I, I think about missions and, you know, sometimes it's hard to raise money for the mundane work of it of helps administration right yeah. people's hearts aren't bleeding for excel spreadsheets and, and office work right <laughs> and payroll right right you know sure. support me because i'm doing i'm doing payroll in in an office somewhere but those are just as integral to kingdom work and as much sure. as spirit requires spiritual gifting for sure as the folks on the front lines um so i think i think in teams and the smaller your team, you're reliant, you're interdependent on, on other teams and, and other networks to, to supplement the gifts that you might be missing. That's good. And you mentioned you're, you're a parent. Um, is there a way that parents can model the use of spiritual giftings in their home? Is that something you think that is is valuable? And maybe do you have maybe some some guidance or maybe some do's and don'ts? I don't know. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I don't. I think first of all, seeing our children not just as kids, but as brothers and as our kids, but as brothers and sisters in the body, hmm. that they are fellow members of the body of Christ. Um, I think acknowledging, even in the home, where we are, th- that what we do serves the church, hmm. and that um, we are dependent on others' gifts. You know, sometimes families can become well-meaning, but parents that really want to train their children in the Lord can sometimes become isolated from the larger body. Yeah. Uh, And I think this is where being plugged into a local church matters so we can appreciate the gifts of others. I also think within a family, appreciating each other's gifts Hmm. and recognizing, you know, you're different than her one is not right and one's not wrong. You just have different gifts, right? I, mean, I, have, yeah. I have a son who is very outgoing and vocal and intellectual and thoughtful and kind of a leader. I have a daughter who's very quiet, very good at administration, very good at coordinating, very good at those things. 
one is not better than the other, but we need each other. You know, I think even in the home, we can somewhat model the interdependence. Um, and I think one of the things that we should do in the home and the church that we don't often do is marvel at, at God's goodness to give us these gifts. Hmm. I don't think we do that enough. We don't say enough. Thank you, Lord, for giving us these people with their gifts. Thank you for that elder who has this gift, or thank you for this worship leader that has this gift, or thank you for that, you know, children's ministry person who has this gift. I'm thankful that God has gifted this way. Or when, when we read a good Christian book to say, Lord, thank you for the gift of this person to the body. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the gifts of, all I said, if creativity, um, it's not one of my, not one of my strong points, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I'm so thankful for those that are creative and have that gift. Do you think I'm kind of going a little angle of, of culture of American culture, as you were talking about this idea of interdependence, you know, I think as Americans, at least my West Virginian upbringing was, was, you know, the idea that we're independent, we're not interdependent. And you shared, you know, if you're on a smaller team, then you're, you're relying on other people's giftings. Um, do you think, is that a fair cultural assessment um, to say that sometimes it might be harder for Americans to say, hey, I am going to be dependent in relationship with others that have giftings and I'm not going to have them all um, when we're kind of taught that, you know, you should be self-sufficient and do everything, everything yourself. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, um, you know, there's a, on the one hand, it's great to be an American because I think, you know, there's a sense in which the idea of, you know, our individual accountability before God, that we're not just part of a faceless, nameless group, but we're individuals. But there is a sense in which our rugged individualism and, um, you know, independence and a sort of sense of autonomy is unhelpful. You know, this idea of expressive individualism, you know, Carl Truman talks about this in his book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Expressive individualism, you know, you be you and I be me and and I can do this. I think that affects our Christianity somewhat. I think it affects mm-hmm. our spirituality that, that, you know, our piety is, you know, me and me and Jesus in a prayer closet. And look, we need that. Yeah. Our time. Jesus got away to be alone in spiritual disciplines. But we we um the purpose of our piety is so that we can go out into the world and 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 serve the world with the gospel and to care for our lost and dying world. And the point of our personal piety so that we can also worship corporately as members of a body. Um you know, the, the horizontal relationship and the vertical relationship are, are so important. When I think of the New Testament, most people don't think about this, but most of the commands in the New Testament are given in the plural, hmm. right? They're given to a, they're not given to a person, they're given to a people. Um, when Jesus pray, instructs us to pray, give us this day, our daily bread. That means that when I'm praying, I'm not just praying for my own provision, but I should be praying for the provision of of my neighbors, for the provision particularly of my brothers and sisters in Christ. When we're given these commands to to love God, to follow God, to renew our minds, to to, um, work out our salvation with fear and trembling, 
it's given in the context of community that we're doing this together in the life of a body. And so, yeah, I think we have to fight a little bit against American rugged American individualism. Um, the fact that I can do this on my own. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah. And, and the idea that, Hey, I really wish I had another spiritual gifting. Um, you know, I mean, and, and I would love to say that I've never thought that I've, I've seen somebody that has, as you said, can take a, a biblical text, look at it, you know, and just share it and have the insights. I don't have that. You know what I mean? What do we do with, we, we look and we see others. You gave us a great point there that we should be thankful and appreciative And but the inner turmoil that maybe we have that I I wish I had another spiritual gifting Um, or maybe it's just Aaron Santamar that's that's thought that Um, or maybe it's my jealous heart. I don't know. But is yeah. Do you have any wisdom for that? No, I think I think there's a sense of that, like or or I want to. Maybe I wish I had that gift and I wish I had that gift or I wish sometimes it's a little bit more subtle. And I hmm. think it's a little bit more, I I think I have that gift. Um, or we push ourselves into positions that are outside of our gifting, hmm. right? And we find failure and disappointment. We angle for, for things, um, <laughs> you know, we maybe fool ourselves and think we have a gift that we don't have. Um, I think sometimes there's a sense in which we valorize the public gifts Hmm. and diminish the private gifts. Hmm. We all want to claim the public speaking gifts and don't want to claim the private speaking (laughs) or private serving gifts. Yeah. Um, you know, that go both ways. I think there are people who are too sheepish about their gifts and need to step into their calling. I think of Mm. Oswald Chambers' book on leadership, where he talks about Moses needed to step into his calling. You know, it's good that he was saying, why did you call me and why me? You know, God had really worked out of him the um, pride he had when he was younger and thought, I can do this myself and I can lead Israel. But it went the other way where he was like, you know, I don't want to do this. I can't do this. And God was saying, I'm going to empower you to do this. And so some people need to be pulled out of their comfort zones to say, God is calling you to something bigger than yourself. And he's gifted you to do this. Other people, other times I think, you know, again, we always have to remind ourselves it's, it's not wrong to seek leadership positions, not wrong to seek, you know, if you're gifted to speak and to preach and to teach, to do that step into those callings, but ask yourselves, why are we doing that? Are we doing this Mm. or the prestige of it? Are we doing this because we want to hear ourselves talk? Are we doing it because we really feel like this is what God's called to do and I want to serve the church? And I think if you understand that one thing about ministry is if you understand what ministry is about, I think it'll keep you and sustain you in the long haul, right? If you're here for the praise, if you're here for the adulation, and look, all of us like to be praised and all of us like to be liked. All of us like to to know that people are appreciating our gifts, and that's okay. But if, if that's why we're here, we're going to really not be sustained for the long haul. Yeah, right. For sure. And constantly sure. go back to why 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 was it that I walked forward, you know, at yeah. camp and pledged my life to Christ? Was it because this or that, or was here's why? You know. Yeah. Um, cool. 
if that makes sense. No, it does. Totally. Dan, you wrote the you wrote the study. Is there a question I should have asked you in this process? You think, well, that would have been a really good question. Aaron didn't ask me that. Uh, when it comes to spiritual giftings and maybe a point that that I should have asked you that you thought was 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 a valuable one. Well, we covered a lot, but one thing I would say is that I find interesting is that I I I'm not dogmatic about this, yeah. of course, but a couple things I think we don't realize when it comes to spiritual gifts. I think we're all many of us are a mix. There's a gift mix. Hmm. Right. So we may not have one or two. We may have several in a mix. Hmm. Right. Um, and different people have a different gift mix. Right. So, a pa- so for instance, let's, let's talk about a pastor of a church. Some pastors I know are amazing gift of preaching and teaching. Yeah. Not necessarily a gift administration or leadership. They need an executive pastor to kind of run things. Other people I know are amazing visionaries entrepreneurial hmm. and they also have the gift of preaching but they're not necessarily teachers hmm. you know i know teachers who are teachers not necessarily preachers and lead so people have gifts some people have gift administration and they have the gift of preaching and that you know people are different mixes so i think we need to you, you can have a, a a mix of them i also think and i heard a pastor say this one time and i haven't forgotten it that i don't i don't know that I think God can gift us differently in different seasons. That's good. So I, I don't know that scripture says once you have a certain gift, you have it the rest of your life or you can't God. So for, so for, here's a good example, a younger pastor who's a church planner or something who's, who's really doing well might have a gift of, you know, be very visionary, be a leader, prophetic, um, preaching, teaching gifts, all that hard. You know, you think of that later in life when they're in their sixties and seventies or eighties, maybe they have more of a gift of encouragement Hmm. and, uh, exhortation to the next generation that they might not have had when they were in their twenties and thirties. So I think our gifts can change, um, based on the season of life. God may give someone a gift of mercy in a season where it requires mercy, where you're surrounded by suffering and God has given you that gift of mercy to come alongside folks that you may not have in another season, so on and so forth. So I think God equips us in season as well. That's good. Good word. Dan, it's been a great hanging out with you again today. Would you pray for the audience that um, we'll put a link to your study in the show notes and uh, so people can access it there. I felt, like I said, I thought it was it was very valuable for me personally to walk through it. And uh, yeah, will you just pray that God will use what you've shared today and just this focus on spiritual giftings? Yes. Lord, we thank you and praise you for this opportunity to talk about spiritual gifts. We thank you for your gifts that you have gifted the church, that you've not left your people unequipped, but that you have gifted the church in every generation of this church age for 2,000 years that... Uh, despite our our failures and despite our sins and our weaknesses, despite cultural climate and historical patterns and trends and all those things that the church of Jesus Christ endures, uh, that you are building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Lord, I pray for those who are 
um, I pray for the church. I pray that we would be faithful, that we would serve, that we would be on mission, that would be bold to proclaim the gospel. I pray for those who are part of mission teams right now, Lord, who are um, on the front lines of of, of uh, bringing the gospel to um, unreached people groups. Lord, I just pray that you would give them a special measure of courage and boldness and faith, that you would take care of their needs, uh, Lord, that we would resource them and they would they would know that they're not alone, that they're part of this body. And uh, Lord, I'm thankful that you are sending people today, 2023, to places where the gospel has not yet been uh, delivered. And uh, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.